Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, Leaf and K-pop podcast listeners? Thank you for being so patient. Yet another week where I took a little break off, but I hope you guys have had a happy new year so far. It is 2020, and we're going into it hot and strong because I'm currently sitting in the LAX International Airport, specifically the International Terminal, because I am about to, I'm about two hours away from boarding a flight to Seoul, Korea for two months, and it's a 13-hour flight. I am extremely excited about it. Today we have on some stays that are talking about the Stray Kids universe. We have two guests, if you make if if you want to call it that. One is a guy named Ramaji, who I found on Reddit, and the other is a group of women who I found on Twitter that provided really comprehensive theories of Stray Kids universe. Ramaji, he's getting started on his his Stray Kids theories, but. And I wanted to, you know, compare and contrast the two different universes. But I will say the Oracha, which is Katya, Andrea, and Julia, a part of the uh, the fan base that does the Stray Kids theories that have been around for over a year now. They are very comprehensive. And I highly suggest that you listen through this podcast so that you can get an idea of how they sound or what Stray Kids universe is really about. Those three girls really know how to explain those theories like no other. And I just found it so much easier to follow Stray Kids universe because they explained it to me. I hope you guys enjoy this. Thank you guys for listening once again to Believe in K-pop and we'll see you back next week. Let's get into the podcast. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the 44th episode of Believe in K-Pop, and we are continuing today. Also, Happy New Year. Um, We are continuing today the theory subsection that I have started uh, last week with this podcast. Um, We did Monster X last week, but now we have moved on to Stray Kids, one of my favorite groups. Um, And we have a couple of people on here today to talk about Stray Kids Theory Universe, um, which is pretty complicated, even though they've been around for about a year and a half, or just about to be two years. Um, so right now we have one Ramaji, who I found from Reddit and was so gracious to take the time out to talk with us today. So thank you for being on here. Hi, I'm I'm Ramaji. You can find me on YouTube if you search Ramaji. Um, I I've, I've actually been planning on, and I hopefully will still do a. A future series called uh, Story Kids, where mm. I like take this, where I talk about love and things here, but I show, but I use the music videos to show, like, pause and jump around to sort of show points where, like, hey, the point of the subtitles are, hey, they're talking about this kind of thing now, and like these events are going on. This, you can think about this as sort of a preview of that. So today we are talking about Stray Kids Universe. Um, although you haven't, um, like, you, you've you started to make your own theories within your own self, um, we want to definitely 
compare the different theories that that are out there um, and what you've come to um, think about. So first of all, I want to ask, why did you feel the need to start doing your own theories? I definitely started to feel like there was a story, especially with, it started pretty early when I was like, when the trailer for um, I Am Not came out. I think I actually recently, oh no, there was some point where I was watching it and I'm like, huh, this seems to be telling a story of some kind. But I'm like, it doesn't quite look like um, the stuff on mixtape. I wonder, wonder why. Mm-hmm. And then every everything afterwards, all the trailers, all the music videos, like I've, I've been mentally sorting them in my head to like canon and non-canon. And then, like, then the third category sort of emerges is like metaphor, metaphorical videos. That, like, I think this like helps build on the theme, but I don't think these things actually happen to the universe of Strike Heads. I see. So, like you told me, there are certain parts that are metaphorical and some that are not. So, between Elevator and District yeah. 9, Elevator to you was. A metaphorical state of mind while district nine is an actual place yeah. and yellowwood's a place and you know miro or i guess they call it city jungle or you said that elevator is more of a mindset rather than an actual place um can you tell us why you thought that if you look at around the set of elevator like everything's dilapidated it's all ruined and such chairs you see are all broken down and such and they're also like completely alone and the lyrics are talking about how they feel like everyone's against them everyone is saying give up on your stupid dream and then you look at um i am not in district nine and you see something very something externally very different you see a super futuristic looking city but if you look at it closely you realize you could be the same kind of emotions as these like the very controlling thing of children, everyone seeming to act the same. There's even one scene in the trailer where, like, everyone's taking their little test and their little cubbies, and like each taking one too. And he looks, then he looks around, and it's like, and no one is there because it's like no one is there. Everyone's being quiet. No one's supposed to interact with each other. Also, the other thing that I think definitely places it in metaphor is the whole thing at the end where, like. They're on a field that was in the sky relative to the city, and they look up in the sky. Sky is a city that physically didn't happen. So it's interesting because because some people have different thoughts on if it, that city does exist. There they have two parallel quote unquote universes, which is interesting. Thinking about the other podcasts um, that I've listened to and the other theories that I've been able to explore, that a lot of these groups have two universes that like are parallel and there's a crossing point or like a glitch or like a uh a divergent almost where everyone or where the universes sort of meet together so and someone has to cross over and save everybody and all that good stuff so um it's interesting that you you're like oh that's not real but some people think it's real or some people think it's just this parallel universe but um i think that's interesting that you think that elevator is a mindset and i think I mean, it makes sense. Elevator is a mindset and it's talking about their, in my opinion, talking about their trainee days and eventually getting out of it. And you could talk about literally or figuratively just in life in general. But 
Speaking of the glitches that go on with the videos, um, do you have any thoughts on those? Specifically, I know Felix, um, what I read through a lot of theories is that Felix is a glitch and he's the one that knows what's going on. But then I've also seen a couple of things where Han or sorry, Jisung um, is possibly a glitch. And then so what do you what are your thoughts on the glitches um, specifically with Felix at, the, at, at least? Um, no, I am Felix biased. So take that in mind but if i've taken anything from a lot of times with the glitches i feel like it's a lot of it to make the aesthetic like uh especially with with, uh my taste that music video is full of all these glitchy like cut throughs and such and that's just and i'm like well this looks like it's really to make it sort of that like super frantic effect that it's not as much of a story thing but I will say that it that Felix has always been sort of one that stands out in like a very um, different way. So I've I've had some inkling ideas that Felix might be from another universe they visit, but we'll get to that once we get past Miro, because that's where everything goes, where like the theory goes from ah it's pretty simple to like really complicated to try to fit everything together honestly yeah and and looking at stray kids videos and their lyrics everything seemed pretty at least for me who doesn't who didn't know really much about the theories before it seemed pretty self-explanatory i was like oh i get that they're going through hardships they've you know gotten to this point where they're leaving the elevator they're you know going against government or you know society and then once leventer came i was like I don't know what's going on. Um, so, and side effects was kind of confusing as well. So, uh, yeah, it's starting to get more confusing. One thing I really do like about the I Am series is that, like, you can actually think about how they're going, how they're sort of going, like, you sort of see them build up. So, like, they start off, like, down at the ground level. Um, then, I guess it's, kind of like I guess it's technically not going up because it looks like a lot of my pace is in basements but like you could sort of be like oh so you start at the ground you go down to build the foundation and then they go up to the roof so I guess it's not so much like they're physically going up but it's like their phases of building a building. Another thing that you mentioned in the theories that you sent me um, is that Chan's key um, you know you said that he, re- he, re- he retrieves it and is able to move everybody between worlds. You see that in Leventer. Um, you see him looking through keyholes sometimes. Um, and it seems like the other members have keys as well. Do you think that they will use theirs at a certain point? I actually was getting more specific, but I was saying chance he goes to one world. It goes to Yellowwood. And the reason for this is that I go with the uh, Yellowwood trailer. When he turns, his, um, turns the key in the elevator, it immediately jumps to Yellowwood. Right. And I'm like, that only... So if Chance he can go to any world, why did it go to Yellowwood without any input from him? So my belief is that Chance he goes to one place and everyone else's key goes somewhere else. Oh. And hence, they've already used them. And another thing in your theories um, that you spoke to me about or messaged me about um, was that 
the the chronological order that you had it going through. Um, at one point, you're like, okay, Wu Jin has gotten to a point where he thinks it's okay. He's okay, and he can sit down and rest and not really be a part of this, you know, revolution that Straight Kids is kind of doing right now, um, making a conscious effort to sit out. Um, is this something that you're factoring in because of the different circumstances that have happened in the last couple of months or does did it in your mind did it make sense for him to be the one to sit out no one really is like oh yeah because they're gonna lose a member at some point but like if i had to pick someone who i thought would leave it would probably have been Wujin. why and i think well from what i saw of like their Wujin interactions and stuff is that like Whenever he has, like, chaotic energy, to me, this is, like, super topic and might get me flamed, but, like, he always felt like he was trying to force chaotic energy to fit really? in. Yeah. And, like... And, and you uh, saw that in, like, V-Lives, you saw it in different videos kind of thing? Yeah, like, whenever I saw, like, these, the compilations and stuff that uh, straight kids do, I'm like, okay, everyone else here is naturally chaotic. And Mujin is like, looking around like, I guess I gotta be chaotic too. Oh. And so you felt like he never fit in as just like a person within the group. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, I will say in watching, I used to watch Two Kids Room, or I still watch it, I guess, sometimes, but in watching theirs, he always, I mean, he clearly usually got along better with the older members, but I think that I was I was always like, I don't really know his personality very well. I can't pick it out because he was very, it seemed like he was either reserved or just kind of like, he didn't let you into his like, or maybe he was just naturally not like the most emotive person, wild person like the rest of them. So I think that's interesting that you've come to that conclusion. Yeah. Um, but I wonder, I wonder if they're gonna, is it in your mind, do you think that it is going to hurt the storyline or they're going to have to, I guess they kind of addressed it in Leventer where um, I.N. turns around and it seems like he's looking back for something or someone. So maybe that was them addressing it. Like they have to leave them behind. And if that's them addressing it, then they did it already. But um, do you think that that makes it a little more complicated for them? Or do you think that he was such a big part of, or such a small part of it that he doesn't, his storyline doesn't really need to be addressed? One sort of like weirdness that it causes is with, I think with you Because he is like very centered to mm-hmm. that song and he's the last one to turn around and it's sort of like it is about him it it seems sometimes that it's a lot of it's about him storyline wise which makes it a little awkward that he's like but on the flip side in levanter it appears that they're saying that like actually you know what like i'm more complicated than that i am more than just you and i need to, I need to find myself like you're you're a great help but this isn't the answer mm. so in that way it could be that actually Levanter's work and is about that sort of the slightly painful or awkward realization that maybe they weren't as big a friend or like mm. weren't as important to you as you thought they were mm-hmm. um, yeah 
the thing, the number one thing I noticed from Yellowwood after after they arrive, but like one of the things that happens is that you see them get get like aggressive at each other, and you don't really see that before. And one thing I noticed, like, um, and I remember putting text on screen about it in my reaction to Yellowwood. Like I didn't notice at the moment, but like while editing, I was like, "Ooh, this is a thing." Was that the screen fills up with yellow right mm. before they go into rage? So also it's pretty clear that yellow that Levant, that Yellowwood is a different world because you know they've got the two moons. Mm-hmm. Everything is a little off and weird, and it, and I'm thinking to myself, I think this this place is actually and a lot of lyrics are talking about like how you're they're suddenly not sure of themselves anymore like take too many pills of confidence and like it's messing with their head so i'm thinking actually that yellowwood like has some like weirdness to how it works like Mm -hmm. maybe the laws of physics are very slightly different or like the air is a little bit different and you can live there but it wears on your mind and like, okay. it basically basically the yellow stuff, stuff is basically effectively like the equivalent of like a drug induced rape. and why do you think that yellowwood has these things going on i don't know exactly why why yellowwood is different in this kind of way that is that is that is so um, much a thing to stray kids and why they're more than the other worlds they go to. But it could also, it could be that it was just their first time being in another world. And like, I always had like the weird perception and I never felt like any of this, this was ever like verified. But like some of the stuff was like the quotes about like, huh, Chan like got this key. Chan seems to have a plan with this key. Mm-hmm. Is that it could be that they were actually Yellowwood was chosen because it's effectively like a training ground. Like if you can make it through being here, other worlds aren't going to phase you that much. Oh, okay, okay. And it kind of it's interesting how Stray Kids. Um, and if you guys listening want to dive into it more, um, I will definitely leave links to figure out um, or to to dive more into the theories. They're not super confusing, but they kind of are um as as the storyline goes on but it's interesting how it definitely correlates to stray kids in real life and how you know chan is the one who you know created this group and from his own uh pickings um and it kind of was based all on him and so it's like if you if chan could survive not only eight years eight to ten years or whatever it was of training but also of being able to pick his own group then you know it's not going to be as hard so um you know, the rest of the journey, and they're obviously going against the grain of K-pop, and, you know, they, they are talking about things that, you know, anybody can really relate to, trying to go after their dreams, and I find their lyrics in uh, their music videos very, very relatable, um, and I did get a little bit confused with Leventer, but um, up until that point, I, I really dug how it was not so confusing, but it was also 
very relatable at the same time. Maybe I'm just simple, but <laughs> I want to thank you, Ramaji, for taking the time out to speak with us today. Just taking a little break from the podcast, y'all. As I've told you before, sleep is so important, and I'm about to board this flight to go to Seoul, Korea for a 13-hour flight. And let me tell you, I don't know if my sleep is going to be quality, but I'm going to be looking forward to the sleep that I will get on the mattress when I land and if you guys are having trouble with your sleep as well even if you're not flying on 13 hour flights you can check out purple mattress the purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses a -a one-of-a-kind purple grid and it was nothing like memory foam that i'm used to the purple grid feels very unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time so it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable plus it's breathable so it sleeps pretty cool as well If you order it, you will get a 100-night risk-free trial. And if you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. And it's backed by a 10-year warranty. Plus, there's free shipping and returns when ordered from purple.com. Let me tell you, you're going to love purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great deals they're offering site-wide. Just text BLEAVE to 84888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text BLEAVE to 84888. That's B-L-E-A-V. 284888 message and data rates may apply wish me luck on this flight thank you back to the podcast all right you guys so we just finished up our little segment with ramaji and now we are on to another group of theorists here um stay theorists um who helped me out in researching everything about straight kids the straight kids universe um and they are of the account the oracha so it's at T-H-E-O-R-A-C-H-A, and they, uh, you guys started from a group chat, and then you basically made it easier for the rest of us to learn about the Stray Kids universe by creating this um, account um, for me to research, so thank you for doing that. Um, If you want to go in order of Andrea, Katia, and Julia, of um, where you're from and how you became a Stay. Okay, yeah, my name is Andrea, I'm from Norway, and I became a Stay about one and a half year ago when I saw a a friend recommended me the District 9 music video. And I think after that, it was just, that was a one-way ticket to heaven for me. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. All right, Katya? Uh, Hi, I'm Katya. Uh, I'm Portuguese, but I actually live in Belgium. And uh, I became a stay uh, pre-debut because of the the song elevator and young wings nice okay okay so you guys started out from pretty much the beginning and finally julia okay hi my name is julia i'm from mexico and i've been as they since pre-debut i actually met them with the song young wings so i kind of like a weird they kind of like in the middle i didn't meet them in the in the show but i didn't meet them with district nine i mean that loophole where i don't know how to call myself but yeah it's going Uh to be three years actually this month wow three years good lord okay so you knew them as just three racha uh yeah no i met them like straight kids like they're already like the whole group Oh, oh, the show, the show. I'm yeah, sorry. The show. I'm sorry. I'm th- okay, the actual show. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is three years ago. Holy crap. Wow. <laughs> okay, so you guys are all like OG stays. So I'm very excited that you guys have come on the podcast. So from my understanding, um, you guys started this this account um, through a group chat. How did you guys find each other? Well, 
Uh, it was when the first trailer or teaser for the Mido album was released. It was in um, early March last. Oh, actually last year. Yeah, it's 2020 now. I was just doing theories and um, but I wasn't really finding anything fun because I was just being very critical and very well, I wasn't being creative enough. Then someone told me that you should just have fun. Just gather some people and then have fun with theories so i did that i tweeted out mm -hmm. someone want to join a, a theory group chat that where we can discuss and uh, uh give each other theories and all that and uh 50 people joined the first one um, and then boiled down to uh seven people that are now in the current group chat some more active than others but yeah i just i just wanted to have um, something that could um, give every single stay and other K-pop fans and other people an outline of what Stray Kids are doing. Do you guys treat this as like a fan base, would you say? Or would you call it just something that you like, you, obviously it helps other people um, to learn more, but do you actually like, is it like, okay, when a teaser video is released, we're like, you guys go in the group chat, okay, somebody needs to break down this theory and who's going to tweet it out and what pictures you're going to grab or is it kind of just like a natural thing? I think it very much depends on who gets the first ideas and stuff, but mostly we have, we start with loose ideas where we just uh, throw in whatever, whatever we have and then it's very important for us that we try to find evidence and that we think critically mm. about it so that so that we're not just throwing ideas around and that we're actually finding evidence from previous teasers, previous music videos and all that. Are you guys all solely stay? Well, all of us are uh, Mokin fandom, so we, we don't just, yeah, we don't just do Stray Kids. We, but I think the, we can all agree that that's our main kind of occupation. Ultimate group. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, especially theory-wise, because we may be multi-fandom, but we don't theorize as much or not at all for some of us, uh, for other groups as we do True. for straight kids. Okay. Okay. And that makes sense because it, it probably takes a lot of time for you to be like theorists for them. Okay. I really think there needs to be like a theory database for like everybody to put in their stuff so you can figure out about all the different theories of all the different groups. Um, Cause that would be yeah. very, very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but let's get into actual stray kids theory universe. So I guess in the most truncated uh, brief version, do you guys mind explaining the timeline in terms of like, what is, what is Stray Kids figuring out from Elevator all the way to now? Okay, so first of all, we have to put attention to the colors of the Casey in every comeback, because those represent what are they going to face in every album, and most importantly, what the album is about. First, we have Elevator, Elevator that's kind of like a prologue, that they know something is missing. And here the main character is Jason. He knows that something is missing, something is not right. And then we jump into I am I'm not, which is in which is in red. And red represents kind of like an aggressive color. And yes, the album is pretty aggressive. A district nine is kind of like an aggressive debut song. And and they're they're mm. like this is not who I am. This is really not what I'm supposed to do. This is this is not me. And then we jump to I am who, which is in yellow, which actually kind of surprises me that yellow turns into anxiety. 
and you can see that in the song Voices, which actually really got me into tears. I can listen to that song because it's just like you gotta step out of the voices, you gotta listen to your own voice, and that it's really meaningful and really deep, and it actually caused me kind of like anxiety for a few days. And my pace, it's like you gotta go your own pace. It's okay to not go like everyone goes. You you can go like on your own way. Don't pressure yourself. But yeah, it's kind of like who who am I here? And then at the end uh, with I am you, it's kind of like a blue color and it's kind of like calm color. And it's they're like we we may not know who we are in this moment, but we know we are facing the same situation, the same problems, and we're gonna face this together. It makes you feel like you're not alone, that stray kids are gonna be there and help you. We're gonna guide ourselves uh, into finding our real true selves. Then in the classes, it's more like we're into a society that the society builds their own corrupt system and we know that we can be part of that we're not machines we are our own persons and that's we the first clay in Miro then we jump to another one where everything is just like messed up everyone is thinking what what is actually happening and here is when another theory jumps um, from me and with Katya also there is uh, an anime called Amnesia where the main character just jumps into different timelines every time she dies. And all these timelines can be every single stray kid. They can have different timelines. So each key represents all the possibilities that they can follow. And at the end, with the last clear now, it's, it's again a blue color that it's so calm and tranquil. And we're just going to follow them into whatever they are approaching. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't. I, I did notice just being a casual fan of Stray Kids that the K was yes. a rotating color. I didn't realize obviously until reading literally yesterday y'all's theories, and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a reasoning behind the red, the yellow, and the blue, and it's the primary colors. Um, and and in doing that, um, I also also thank you for this amazing explanation that was a very brief and great explanation of everything if you guys that are listening don't or haven't really followed stray kids you know they have a very nice chronological like version of or I guess a story of finding yourself if you will um but you know the k so so and if you guys are listening the guys the people that are listening right now um if you watch the videos there's a lot of um and particularly my pace, there are a lot of like glitches going on in it. Um, like the screen is glitching pretty much. Um, but in the Stray Kids theories, uh, the people that are you guys, the, the theories that you guys have come up with, there is a certain person that is a glitch. Um, and I think it's in, in not the song, not or who I can't remember which one it is, but it's Felix saying it's a it's a something, it's a, it's a sign, an omen, it's a glitch. Um, and people have theorized that Felix is the glitch. Now, can you tell us how the glitch works into these theories? Like, why is there a glitch in this timeline? Okay, so for me, it actually was my first theory that Felix is the glitch that he realized first. He's the first one to realize that he is in kind of like a system. He is in something that someone mm. is controlling him. And he was the first one, but Chan 
was more like a neutral thing. He was trying to help everyone. So Felix glitches the most because he's just so far from from everyone. We can clearly see Ian because he's not glitching at all because he's like the most behind everyone. Felix just forward everyone. And Jisung is also a, a glitch, the first one of the glitches. Because mm. in my theory, you I put like all the pictures. First, Felix is all the teasers from Felix are in black and white. But when Jisung puts in front of a mirror, he's in black and white. So he's like facing himself. He's mm. looking uh, inside of him like, who is he? That's why in I Am Who... Felix and Jason have the same color hair that's kind of like orange. And Felix is always the one yeah. that has like a vibrant hair color because he's just in another era. Mm. He's not in the same era as everyone because he already knows who he is, what he, what he is doing. And everyone is more kind of like in a neutral, more slow pace. And Ian is just like, he doesn't know what is happening with him. He is just... A lost uh you know and, and like i said you know how the, there's the rotating colors if you guys that are listening go back and look at the the initial teaser images um uh, felix is placed right under the k um and felix is the only person that has a different hair color in in hell of, uh in sorry in district nine um and i am who he's the only one that's wearing white while the rest are wearing black um and like you said like his his teaser images are black and white compared to everyone else's so it's uh he is the first one to realize and then there's jisung who is kind of a glitch as well and then now like you said ian um also seems to not really know what's going on but it's obvious that he is aware that something is not right and then there's hyunjin now hyunjin like an astronaut he's he's always it seems like he's always alone and Clearly, he has a very essential role to that music video. So where does he fall into the glitch world of things? So people have seen Hyunjin. Like, someone asked me if they can use my theory for theirs. And they said that Hyunjin kind of, like, sticks out. And, yeah, mostly uh, in the, the series in Clay, we are now looking into a more aggressive Hyunjin in side effects. And that's because we are changing characters first Chang Bing was the most aggressive one but now it's Hyunjin right so that's because he knows something is wrong something it's going to happen so Felix is still the main glitch but now we are looking into Hyunjin's point of view now the whole uh clay series was more about what is Hyunjin looking at because we saw in the side effects trailer he was he made a glare and everyone's like okay we are definitely going to follow Hyunjin now so more of a glitch mm. is more like his point of view yeah and then there was also text about him that came out uh, during uh, side effects era that uh, we see exactly what Hyunjin felt during uh, the side effects trailer as well so where can you find this text uh, i think it's uh, on their twitter actually <laughs> We need to scroll oh. down a bit, but <laughs> oh. yeah, it's it's the teaser image where they show the track list, and then and then Hyunjin kind of just um, well, we assume 
I, I first I assumed it was Chan because it's always Chan in, in some way, weirdly enough. But mm. it could be also Hyunjin. He was kind of describing what he was feeling when he was wandering around in the side effect time zone, I guess, the kind of empty space between Miro and side effects. So basically what Hyunjin was saying is, or if, if you, if people don't want to go look at it but if you do you should definitely go look at it but basically he's saying that during side effects he's saying that he felt angry Mm -hmm. essentially um and scared definitely and disappointed because they all well in Miro they were like just don't follow the system but at the end he sees everyone following the system and they feel like they didn't achieve anything. Okay, so can you actually tell me? Yeah, I know you said that Changbin, and I saw your your thread. How Changbin is always in, has like I think it was I am, and no, it was Miro. He has like a red hue kind of to him, um, and he's always kind of like pushing people in the choreography. At least he's pushing people away. He's fighting people. Um, why was he the angry one, and why is he not the most angry anymore? Well, I think because in every revolution, there has to be someone that wants to go like into more aggressive zone. Because if you're not achieving anything going into like a peace, mm. peace phase or something like that, there is someone like, okay, we should like yeah. start punching people. We have to we have to do something. But all of the three kids are like, we can't achieve anything if we are aggressive. We just have to go slow. We have to go our own pace. But Changbin is almost like, no, we have to do this. We have to do that. And now he he may pass his anger to oh. Hyunjin now. But yeah, there is someone that is going to be like troublemaker in every revolution. But now that Hyunjin is seeing everything differently, now Changbin is kind of like reflecting himself in Hyunjin. So he now know how he was like a very, very bad person at okay. the beginning. So so now there's Lino and I know Lino is like um I, I think and he was the only one going into astronaut that had the same if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was either astronaut or lavender. He has the same cut from double double knot. Um and I think he's the only one that keeps it. Does that speak is there something that is there a reason why he's probably the only one that has that cut? I remember seeing something about that, but is there a reason why he's he still has that? I personally have not thought about that. I I don't think I've noticed it. Well, yeah, I have noticed it, but um, I, for one, think that is something that Stray Kids want to um, express uh, a message that is kind of, you know, scars don't heal, but they can still be important to you so that the mm. what happened in your past even though it hurt you you can still learn from it even though it kind of sticks to you maybe it's good maybe it's good that you have scars from the past that will teach you and uh even if you've made uh like um if you've come to terms with whatever happened in the past or not we don't know if that's what happened to Lena yeah. or not but uh if you have then that's that's great it, it'll only make you stronger and that's what i think double knot was something that just happened it was it was so powerful it it had all this um it had it had things from uh i feel Miro. it had things from a district nine with the drone that was kind of um looking at them it was inside from side effects as well and then all right. that bringing that into levanter which is sort of an answer more of a 
um, a pause where you can sit and reflect of your over your past mm. and letting go of what has been holding you back and the scars that he has represents how he's learned from his mistakes or the past. Mm, that's a great explanation. So then where does Sung Min in, well, when Wu Jin was still there, where did those two fit into like, because I feel like everyone else has sort of like a, a, a distinct role or just characteristic about them that I can think of, but Sung Min and Wu Jin, like I wasn't able to find anything that was distinct. Was Did they have a very distinct role or do they have one? Or uh, Sung Min, does he have one? I don't think we've looked very much at Sung Min, which is, which is very sad. Okay. Uh, it seems as if, to me though, it seems as if he has some, some kind of balance. He brings balance and and peace to the group, even though he um, he doesn't say a lot of things. It's just his presence right. that makes everything. Even even not even if it's just for for stray kids, but uh, for Sting as well. Right. He his person is so calm and so balanced that uh, mm. even if they're uh, aggressive, they're violent, they're loud, he's just there to kind of calm everyone down. And. So then Wujin, now that, I mean, obviously Wujin is not a part of the group anymore, does that affect the theories or universe that much? Um, or is it kind of just like, a, oh, like he found his way, you know? Like how, how does that affect, how do you think it will affect what goes on? Or, you know, at the end of, I know um, in Leventer when, when Ian turns around and it's like he's looking for something or someone, I guess, um, I, I guess that's, enough for them to address it like they're like okay we gotta leave him you know we can't have everybody you know so do you think that was a good enough way to address it or do you think they're going to do more or if they will address it at all um well i <laughs> i have well we've all we've all had our theories about whatever happened to Ujin. nobody knows i for one thought that he has not been the person who has been um most important for the theories we haven't as you mentioned really written mm. anything about him um and i think that it makes it even like it makes it po it's positive because uh it won't alter the timeline it won't it won't have any greater effects on our theories however it's a little bit sad because he is not getting the attention that he might have needed and you know throughout the whole uh story it it might might um suggest that he has known for a long time that he wanted to leave and that he said okay mm. maybe just leave me out of it which i mean yeah maybe it's, it's kind of triggering for some stays but uh what if what if he's known for a long time and just suggested that oh maybe leave me out of this but that's just my my initial theory when i looked at the lack of ujin so okay let's get into back into the actual theory itself so when the map came out before leventer came out um I, I certainly didn't understand what, was, what it what it all meant. I did recognize the the city jungle um, or Tiger City, whatever you want to call it, on the right. And I was like, oh, that's from that. But I didn't understand where everything else was referring to. Um, I'm wondering, and obviously it refers to the different music videos and everything. But I wonder, um, is the is the map or is the, are the music videos out of order, or are they just jumping between universes, pretty much, because of the because of what the map put out. We differ in that one because I say some uh, music videos could be like before, even before District 9, but most of the people in the group chat think that no, they're just in chronological order. Uh, for me, it's because Mia, Miss in Action, 
uh it's more mm. like in a district nine by like before district nine how the system was trying to control it and how difficult it was to change Changbin and Hyunjin. So that's the only MV that kicks me like, no, that perhaps it's not in a chronological order, but most of the people think, yeah, it's chronological. Now, it's just something that we will never agree on because there are, we, we will find no proof that will uh, <laughs> lean all of us, like make, make all of our, um, lean all of our thoughts to either one of them. It, w- it would just be that it's going to be an experimental thing and it it'll be up to every single person. Okay, so just to be clear, there isn't a time loop. It's more like they have two universes, pretty much, where they go between, or, or they, or is it just they go different places? Different places. Okay, so they just go different places, and then the two moons represents the they're they're clearly in an alternate universe where there can be two moons, but um, or I guess a different planet, whatever you want to call it. But so basically, it's just where they are, where they the different places that they go. You know, Yellowwood has two moons, um, and Leventer, wherever Leventer is, has two. Okay, um, and that would mean District Nine would have two moons as well. Um, so so then because it's okay, so whether it's chronological or not, um, at one point you know they're always or I guess now that they finish Miro, um, or I guess, sorry, um, let me backtrack. They finished Miro, um, and, and finishing it, it was Leventer. Obviously, if, if you guys haven't read, um, or, an, and, you know, I was wondering, I, I was like, well, I've ever seen Leventer before. And I realized I read, I've read, uh, The Alchemist two times. And I was like, oh, that's where I've seen it from. And when I saw that you, you guys referenced this, that, you know, Chan references, is, references The Alchemist, um, and obviously in The Alchemist, he talks about, or Paulo Coelho, talks about um about finding your treasure and the, you know finding pretty much finding your your soul and you know finding what really makes you happy in life the passion kind of thing and obviously that's what straight kids talks about so much in their lyrics and everything that they symbol or that they're about um what do you think is what do you think straight kids treasure is um and is it ultimately you know how they say it's not about the destination it's the journey there and clearly they're they're finding themselves is like the whole journey of stray kids so do you think it's more about the spiritual journey that they're on or is it you know are they trying to reach a treasure whether it be you know always meeting with stay or is it you know winning a grammy like do you think it's more about the journey itself or or is it about do you think that there's like a certain treasure at the end that they're trying to reach i've had my thoughts Definitely, though, they're chasing something or being chased by something. Usually, they are chasing something, something that um, mm. streak it's themselves. So the artists in real life are always trying to provide some kind of safe place for stay and some sort of uh, an answer to our questions um, mm-hmm. that we might have. I'm not... I, I had this... Um, I compared them to uh, compasses mm. because they use that a lot, the compass. They they want to lead. They want to uh, help us whenever we or other people, young people mostly, uh, are having trouble. So right. imagine you are, uh, well, your life in, in the world is, is an ocean. And then you are a boat just floating mm-hmm. in the ocean. Uh, we all have a treasure island, which straight kids also has there it's 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 like this for them as well 
and we all have our own map that will lead us to our own treasure island. Mm -hmm. You might see boats uh, floating away and the waves are kind of swallowing you and stuff. But sometimes you need someone to navigate that map for mm -hmm. you. And that's what Stray Kids are trying to do. Um, they're trying to figure out uh, how to navigate a map so that we don't have to go through all the trouble that they go, that they go through. Yeah, and I uh, and and I think uh, they uh, mm. it shows even more because of mixtape four because uh, their lyrics are talk about a broken compass and everything because nobody actually knows um, how to get where we want to go in life and we all have kind of a broken compass within ourselves, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and they really are, they really are, you know, creating a way to at least make your feelings feel validated in like a, in, in a, um, a chronological way, if you will. Um, and so I think by, yeah, like be, by being stray kids, like going off the beaten path, they are making a path for people to follow, um, which is nice. Um, and so much irony in it and everything. But um, actually, and you, you said that they are, um, Andrea, you said that they are running away from something, but they also are running towards something or running away. And I think they are running away if, if you know, with Chronosaurus, they might be running away from time catching up to them, um, as it does to all of us. So there's so much symbolism in everything that they talk about. And I do enjoy the fact that um, Stray Kids, like other groups, unlike a lot of other groups, they make their, their theories very... Uh, their universe it's I guess until Leventer I was like okay this might not be the most um, easy to or it, it is the most easy theory universe to understand I understood what was going on and then Leventer I was like I yeah you lost me I don't know what's happening um, but um, I guess now that you know Miro is done what do you think is next what what is what do you think the next chapter will be um, we don't really discuss this far into the future because uh, we know with it will be difficult to find evidence, uh, evidence considering the lack of hints. Kids tend to drop. They, they won't clearly give us an answer. I think. <laughs> yeah. They want us, everyone, and each one, each one, each one of us, uh, find an answer for ourselves because mm. they're all, they're always running either towards or away from something, like Andres said, and uh, they seem to be moving away from uh, the dark angsty angsty teen teen phase into a more mature. Uh, mm. because they're becoming adults you know um, and they reflect on the future which shows uh, they've grown quite a lot and uh, one sure one thing for sure is they they will always uh, run towards their goals they, they will always try to appeal to to the young people and their problems and mm -hmm. uh, they try to bring solutions and uh, peace of mind uh, because we we all felt like that at some point in our lives you know? right no, you're true. You're, you're sorry. You're right. Um, I think that, you know, I guess leaving it up to them to make the, the, or I guess not leaving it up to us for a little bit to be like, okay, now it's time to contemplate our own, um, you know, paths and where we need to go. Um, now, that, <clears throat> now that they've gotten to this point, I'm just curious. I'm like, what now, where do they like, what, what's the next part? Is it about like achieving whatever or finding that passion? I'm, I'm very curious to see what they, they have in store, but I want to thank you guys for taking the time to do this. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.